This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production by Faithful Life Ministries where we seek to address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We want to bring you biblical truths despite what the popular movements and networks of the day teach or those pragmatic pragmatists pragmating their way through scripture pragmatically. We are on Patreon, so if you would like to partner with us, head on over to patreon.com slash theology and become a subscriber. We have a variety of plans on there, and if you would just like to donate the conventional way, maybe write us a check. Uh, Faithful Life Ministries is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your uh, donation is tax deductible, uh, but if in this time, this season where people aren't able to work, income uh, is very low, um, we would much rather you either save your money uh, or uh, it, if it hinders you from tithing to your church, definitely tithe to your church. That should be your first priority. Um, we don't want to hinder you in that way, but if you would like to uh, give us a donation, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, but on today's episode, we are going to be looking at the issue of communion, but more specifically, virtual communion or drive-in communion. That's becoming a thing nowadays. Now, at the present time, we are experiencing this coronavi- uh, coronavirus outbreak, and it has been requested by local governments. Pandemic. Churches- pandemic. Oh, pandemic. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> pandemic. And it it's been requested by local governments that we not gather until this pandemic is under control. So uh, in keeping with Romans 13, uh, us submitting to our governing authorities and loving our neighbor as ourself, we have ceased to gather corporately. uh, But for more on that and kind of the views on that, uh, you can check out the episode we did called church and COVID-19 that is up. Um, But now in this season of not gathering physically, churches have resorted to uh, utilizing technology to live stream sermons as well as conduct Zoom meetings for uh, small groups, uh, you know, whatever you may have it. And anywhere you would need, you know, a church function that you would need to meet, they've resorted to to technology. Uh, 
we were all hoping that things would be back to normal by the time Easter came around. But sadly, that is not the case. Uh, churches will be doing uh, a live stream of Good Friday and Easter services. However, there are many who are still wanting to find a way to implement the Lord's Supper into this virtual service. Uh, many see a problem with this, and rightly so. Uh, we here at Matter of Theology would agree with those uh, who are sounding the whistle to say, you know, whoa, wait. This is not necessary at this time. Uh, please, please wait until we are gathered together again as the body corporately to administer the Lord's Supper. Uh, Pastor Josh Bice of Praise Mill Baptist Church in Douglasville, Georgia, uh, actually wrote an article called There Is No Such Thing as Virtual Lord's Supper. Very and, good article. Very good article. And in it, he mentions that that it's possible for us to be connected virtually, but disconnected literally at the same time. And the Lord's Supper is something, as we're going to get into, for us to be taking while we are gathered together corporately. And, right. you know, we understand that everyone, I mean, in today's uh, American evangelical society, everyone wants to be that innovative church that thinks of the really cute way to do communion and whatnot, but we strongly have to consider what we are actually doing when we begin to think about using the Lord's Supper in this way. Yeah, yeah, um, and and I, I I wholeheartedly agree with with everything that uh, that Drew just said. I and I posted on Facebook. Uh, I think it was yesterday, um, uh, April Fool's Day, and but it wasn't April Fool's joke. Uh, and I'll just read what I what I wrote. Um, uh, it says, I, I just said, churches and church leaders, uh, as the Easter season approaches, please listen to this needed sermon from Dr. Vody Bauckham. Given the current situation and pandemic that we are all facing, the temptation is going to be uh, to be overly pragmatic when it comes to planning Easter services. Please, please consider whether the plans you are making hold to the regulative principle or the normative principle of worship. God's word is completely sufficient. Um, and, and then, and then I had a few quotes uh, from from this sermon, this excellent sermon that Dr. Vody Bauckham preached uh, yeah, yeah. at the Truth Matters Conference in October of 2019. Um, and uh, so, 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 you know, it's it, j just like just like uh, uh, Drew said, and, and quoting Dr. Bice, um, who uh, again wrote, wrote this just wonderful, wonderful. Uh, wonderful article, and 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 in there he just uh, he just says, "quote Technology has a wonderful place in our world, and is providentially given to God's people during this pandemic for the purpose of being connected and spreading the good news." Um, and he goes on to say that that he personally, I, I love using uh, technology for the glory of God, especially since I was converted while listening to a sermon online. And yeah, and he uh, does he's, the G three podcast. Yeah, yeah, and and he's told me that story personally. Um, and uh, amazing story, amazing testimony. Um, and uh, uh, so yeah, that that that's how he was converted. But then he goes on to 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 really talk about the. Uh, the, the the purpose of 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 communion in the Lord's Supper, and I'll say this, man, before before we kind of get cranking as far as you know the historical background of of uh, of the, the the Lord's Supper, um, it's always a mercy of God when 
um, when something like this comes up, you know, uh, as, as is a lot of the times the case with our episodes, we, we choose which episodes to do based upon issues that, that we've seen or that come up um, inside the church or inside uh, evangelical culture. Our goal, and we've said this multiple times, is especially the last one that we did when we talked about uh, good old Andy Stanley saying that God loves you more than he loves his commandments, is that, that we're not trying to be divisive or, or pulpit and pen or uh, heresy hunters or anything like that. But, but this is an important issue. Um, to talk about, and the reason uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to quote uh, the Puritans a great uh, a, a great number of times in this episode. And number one, because I, I I'm still digging into the Puritans. Number two, I agree wholeheartedly with a lot of their 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 approach to this. Is uh, so so Stephen Charnock says this in his works in Volume Four, um, and and he is specifically what he's starting to unpack, and and unfortunately. Um, when we decided to do this episode along with work, I didn't get to go through this entire discourse, uh, but uh, but he said something in here in talking about what was going on in the Corinthian church there in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, um, and and he's going through the observations um, as, to, as to why Paul was rebuking them, and he says this, he says, quote, how soon will corruptions creep into the best church? And then he goes on to say, quote, the devil will sow tares where the where God sows his wheat, period, and close quote. Well, actually, let me finish that, that, that next sentence. As he opposed Christ at the very entrance into his office to make his mediation insignificant, so he will endeavor, the devil, to corrupt a church at the first entrance of the gospel to make it altogether fruitless. So... So that's on page 393, uh, or no, sorry, 398. The page numbers are kind of smudged. No, wait, 393, I was right. Uh, so, uh, you know, Charnock goes on to say, too, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, he says this, quote, uh, in talking about the Lord's Supper, he says, quote, there is in this action more communion with God than in any other religious act. We have not so near a communion with a person, either by petitioning for something we want or returning him thanks for a favor received, as we have by sitting with him at his table, partaking of the same bread and the same cup, period, close quote. So when it comes to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the intimacy of the Lord's Supper, I mean, it was put on... On, on, on absolutely, and Dr. Bice says this in his article, on vivid display in Matthew 26. Mm-hmm. Um, and to quote uh, Chad Van Dixhorn in his, uh, his book, Confessing the Faith, he says this when it concerns, you know, and get it kind of starting to get into the historical stuff, but he says, quote, no one less than Jesus could and did replace the Passover meal with another meal. No one less than Jesus could and did command the Christian church to celebrate a meal that centered completely on himself. As Paul explained to the Corinthians, this meal is the table of the Lord and the cup of the Lord. It is the Lord's supper, and we are to observe the meal as he requires, period, close quote. Yeah, that's that's oftentimes forgotten because people just, they've grown up going and, and receiving communion 
and it they don't actually give thought to what it is, but it is the Lord's Supper. It's right. His Supper, and it's not just something that we do. It's something we receive, That's right. and we receive it because we couldn't have, have procured it ourselves. This, this is not something we could have done ourselves. Uh, we could not have atoned for sin. We could not uh, be the intermediary uh, f- for someone else with God. Now, we can do what's called intercessory prayer, where we come on behalf of someone, but we cannot stand in between someone else and God the way Jesus stands between us and God. Right. And this this communion is something that is eschatological also because it is something that we look forward to sure. in glory when we commune with the saints, with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Well, it's also eschatological because we're told to do it until the end of time. That's right. Um, that That's how crucial and important uh, important that is. Um, and there, there are multiple, I mean, there are multiple purposes of, of the Lord's supper. And again, I kind of, I didn't really finish my thought earlier, but you know, in, in this coming up and reading Dr. Bice's article and, and sovereign grace also, uh, released, uh, released an article and, uh, Dr. John MacArthur and Austin Duncan were talking about this in an interview they did as well. Um, it really forced me to dig into the Lord's Supper, and there, there are aspects of it that I've never thought about mm-hmm. um, that the Lord opened my eyes to through His Word and through the writings of uh, of the Puritans um, and uh, and Doctor Van Dixhorn um, and in and, and his studies. So I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of sharing those uh, tonight uh, or whenever you listen to this. But uh, but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, definitely just the, the small study that, that we've been doing, it has opened our eyes tremendously uh, to the Lord's Supper and changed a lot of the way we, we approach it and the way that we want you to approach it. Um, well, and we have to remember too, uh, you know, we, we talk about church history a good bit um, on this podcast as we should, but um, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of um, the, the, the reformers, uh, guys, um, you know, Thomas Cranmer, uh, Nicholas Ridley, John Bradford. Uh, you know, these, th- these men uh, took a strong doctrinal stance when it comes to the Lord's Supper. Uh, and they were, they were martyred because of this. Mm-hmm. This is this is why they were killed. Yep, and that's why so, Calvin was ran out of Geneva. That's why. And that's why Edwards was Edwards run out of was, uh, yep. of Connecticut from yep. by his father-in-law. Um, you know, of, of all things, and so, uh, so, so we we have to remember that that this is this is this is a this is called a, a the the Lord's Supper for a reason. It's called. I mean, it is it is holy communion. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is set apart and is to be set apart. It is uh, out of the sacraments and the means of grace. It is to be um, it, taken as the Lord has laid out word for word mm-hmm. uh, in the scriptures. So, yeah. Now, before we really dive into this, I kind of want to preface by saying that we we do understand that there are churches that are longing to be gathered together as they should be. Sure. Um, And we do understand that there are those that still want to implement the Lord's supper. 
uh, we sympathize with that. Um, and we, we understand that it, it's something, it, it's a tradition that you do. And, and we do want to sympathize with that as well, but we just want to kind of walk through how it's laid out in scripture, the command of how, of the manner in which we should do it. And then for others to really consider what scripture has to say, as opposed to what you may want to do. Yeah. Well, and you have to remember uh, that, especially for those of us who are, are, as Josh would say, in, in reformed them. Uh, I like the way he puts that, but um, the, the reformation, you know, the whole thing about the reformation was what justification by faith alone and through what, and, and what, sola scriptura um, is, is the complete rule as far as faith and obedience. And so, uh, you know, the Puritans, the Puritans wanted to apply that principle to everything they did, but especially in worship, uh, you know, the Puritan John Owen, he asked these questions, um, in, uh, in, in, in his works, he said, you know, number one, this question is what doth God require of us in our dependence of him that he may be glorified in us and we accepted in him. And the answer to that is that we worship him in and by the ways of his own appointment. And then of course, so the question comes up, what are those ways? How then uh, are these ways and means of the worship of God made known to us in and by the written word only? which contains a full and perfect revelation of the will of God as to his whole worship and the concernments of it. And, and the requirement of that by us in the celebration of the worship of God is that we observe and do all whatsoever the Lord Jesus Christ hath commanded to us to observe in the way that he hath prescribed and that we add nothing unto or in the observation or observance of them, that is of man's invention or appointment. Mm -hmm. So we, we have to, we have to remember that it is about regulating. It is about the regulative principle of worship. And, and if you go down that road, if you go down that road of trying to right now, because of that longing, that Drew talked about. We should be longing to be together. A good question to ask in this season, and, and it will give your heart a check, is are you longing and yearning for the assembly, the gathering, the coming together, as Scripture says, of the saints? Um, that, that's a norm. You should absolutely want that. Um, but, but where you can get in trouble with that and where I agree with Dr. Bauckham, Vody Bauckham in saying that being overly pragmatic in trying to satisfy those longings is not only wrong, but it does not give God glory and it is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I'm being very bold by saying that I'm not speaking to any one person, any one church in particular. I'm saying that as a blanket over mm -hmm. all of us who are believers, not just who, who may be a church, a leader in a church, which I am not, uh, maybe a pastor, which I am not. Um, that's what scripture teaches. We are to do it his way based upon his word. And the Bible is clear that when we stray from that, as harmless as we may think it is, quote unquote, uh, or it is not, um, does not give him glory 
and it is dangerous. Yeah, it's, I mean, you and I were talking yesterday and I likened it to being on the beach in the storm, right? And we have, a, and right now this is, this is a storm where we're, we're on the beach. We, we can't gather together. It's, it's not sunny days and rainbows, right? Um, there, there is a pandemic going on. And right. We're, we're right now through technology, we're trying to make the best, the very best of a situation that we can. Um, but the problem is when, when we start looking at things pragmatically and we start wading out into the water, right? We, right. Start, we start moving from ankle deep to knee deep to thigh deep, right. waist deep, chest deep. In this, in this stormy water, what happens is once you get out there, you get caught up in the riptide and you don't realize you're in it until you're already dragged out to sea and you can't get back. And then it's not long before the undertow grabs you and you're taken under. Right. Right. Well, and then what will your anchor be? That's you know, right. Your anchor has to be the word of God. Mm -hmm. uh, I was listening to, speaking of Josh Bice, I was listening to him talking to Paul Washer uh, in a, in a live podcast I did today. And, and, and I love, I love what Paul said. And, and I've heard Dr. Lawson say this as well, as well as Dr. MacArthur. Um, you know, they said, we, we don't have prophets speaking. I would, you know, we would not, we have to be very careful going, yes, the coronavirus is a judgment of God. Is the Lord allowing it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, personally, I see it more as a mercy. Uh, a friend of mine yesterday on Facebook, uh, uh, you know, she, she posted on there that it, it's, it's amazing. The, the air is cleaner. Um, uh, the, you know, the birds are chirping and, uh, we've been forced to slow down, um, and, and not lessening. I also have friends of mine that I, that I know, not just acquaintances through social media that I know, um, we have a family in our church who all of them have the coronavirus. Um, and, so we're not lessening the, 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 the cruelty of that virus and the, the, how deadly it, it is proving to be, but it is a virus. And ultimately there are more people dying of a lot of other things and not, again, not lessening the effects of that. But, but the point is this, we, uh, we don't know what God is doing and we shouldn't try to guess what God is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but just like you said, the farther out we get, if we don't have an anchor because we don't have prophets going to, to, to the white house right now and saying that the reason that the Lord is enacting this judgment upon you is because of abortion, mm -hmm. which he very well may be, but, sure. but God is up to a, as to quote mm -hmm. Dr. Lawson, a thousand, a hundred thousand different mm -hmm. things. I would dare not try to speak for the mind of God. Where we need to focus is his word. Mm. Where we need to stay anchored is in his word. Where, where we need to, uh, to, to, to fix our gaze. Yes, glance at the news, pay attention to what's going on, but we fix our gaze on God. To quote Dr. R.C. Sproul, we don't believe in God. We believe God, period, yeah. full stop. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so when it comes to, to matters of worship, and this is a big one, kind of getting back to the whole reason we're talking, sorry, rabbit trail. Um, the whole reason we're talking is that this is, this is the body and blood of Jesus. This is, this is a sacrament that the Lord, him, I mean, the Lord himself ended Passover and started this. Mm -hmm. um, and so every, every section of the Lord's supper has massive spiritual significance. Um, and, and yeah, so. We'll, well, we'll I mean, it just, I mean, it made me think about, 
this as a, as a judgment of God, because you, in every judgment of God, there are tremendous mercies of God. And, oh, and, to, and, to, and so is it a form? Yeah. But also to th- think about this, if it was a full on judgment, Oh, it would be, a, you would know it. It'd be Look, a lot worse. Do you, yeah. Uh, to, to quote, and I, I didn't come up with this thought. I heard Dr. MacArthur say this. He said, you know, if, if you really think that this, that, and Dr. MacArthur still calls it a flu. It's really funny. If you think that this little flu is God's judgment for the millions of babies that have been murdered in the womb, that, that you think this little flu is the, the judgment of God because of the celebration of what God views as, as an abomination when it comes to human sexuality, um, then you need to start over. You don't know God. Um, See, I need- think it's a little taste of... Well, just like I said in our episode before, the, wages of, sin, the wages of sin is death. Sure. Right. Yeah. All disease entered the world at mm-hmm. the fall. Right. Um, so this is, of course it is. This is a yeah. judgment on sin, period. Right. Uh, whether or not it's not a specific judgment right. on not the United specific, States. Right. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's all over the world. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so now getting, moving back into. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, let, let's give a little bit of historical background. So, so the communion, the Lord's Supper really began it was this was a what we would call a type it began in the passover exodus 12 and what it was to do was to commemorate god leading the israelites out of egypt out of bondage out of captivity in egypt and really it was it 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 focused on the last plague which was the the death of every firstborn son in Egypt and what would happen is uh the israelites were told that as long as they were to sacrifice an animal they were to put the blood of that animal over the door they were to go inside they were to eat that animal and and the death angel would come o- pass over pass over that house um, and, and go on to the next one. So uh, since, the, uh, since that time, they celebrated or commemorated in that way, the Passover feast, the Passover meal, where they would do that. They would sacrifice an animal. They would put the blood of that animal over the doorpost, and they would eat the meat of that animal uh, and, and in commemoration of that. That's a type that is looking forward to Christ because Christ would be what's called the anti-type or the fulfillment. And we see that in uh, Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper, where he brings them together and he says, you know, this bread, this is my body that is broken for you. Take, eat. This is my blood that is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. This is the new covenant. This was the putting away of the old covenant, the covenant of works. And this was now the establishment of the new covenant, the covenant of grace that is through Christ alone. And yeah, well, and a couple of things to note there. Um, a couple of things that kind of jumped out to me. Um is, you know, th- this wasn't just something that was just given to, you know, Peter, James, and John. Right. Like a few of the, the favorite friends of, of Jesus. Like it was, th- th- this was given to all of the disciples. And, we, and, and for, for scripture reference, you guys can read that in Matthew 26, uh, Mark 14, and Luke 22. Um, so that's, 
that's an important thing. Again, just moving on with the history part of it. Notice it was given to all. Mm-hmm. So it is to be taken in the church. Right. Important point. Right. Sorry, keep going. I mean, and it's a, and this is what Dr. Bice points out in his article as well, is that there's a focus and emphasis on the togetherness. And Jesus uh, demonstrated that they were together. Right. Well, and by, you know, uh, the, the uh, Puritan uh, uh, Perkins, um, you know, he said, uh, as far as by, by taking the bread and, and the wine a, as a sign of the father electing his son to the office of mediator. OK, extremely important. Um, and and then number two, by blessing it through the words of institution for the sacred use of the seal of God, sending his son into the fullness of time to do his work. Number three, by breaking the bread and pouring pouring the wine as a seal of the death of Christ for their and our transgressions. And by distributing the bread and the wine to the, uh, the, the, the people, it is, it is as a seal of God's offering Christ to all, but giving Christ only to the faithful to increase their faith and repentance. Mm-hmm. And you see all of that in Matthew 26. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's good. So we, we, we went from, we just went from the Passover 30,000 foot view to the communion, the type, the anti-type, the, the origination, the fulfillment, right. the, the old covenant to the new covenant. Um, right. So now the purposes in communion that's kind of, and you've already addressed uh, some of them right there, just in that quote from William Perkins, uh, talking about what it did as far as Christ's position, Christ's office. Right, right. Well, and, and that's why the, I want to be careful, but I want to be firm. Um, that's why it's important. Um, one of the reasons, there's multiple reasons why it's important to be done inside the church. Because William Perkins also points out that by taking the bread and the wine into hands, it's, it, it, is, it is a seal and a symbol of the faith that we possess and have been given in Christ. Mm-hmm. And then while eating the bread and drinking the wine, it's a seal of 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 applying Christ to ourselves, mm-hmm. okay, to increase our union and, and that communion with Christ. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why it's extremely important that it is done inside the church. And, and one of the, again, one of the reasons, because, and we're going to get into this when we talk about the virtual communion pragmatism stuff is, but, but, but kind of, kind of easing into this now, it is, uh, it is an abomination to take communion uh, as an unbeliever, mm-hmm. not rightly understanding the full gospel of God. Now, that being said, there is grace, thankfully, uh, because I don't know about you, man, but there have been times in my life not knowing what I was doing that I have taken the Lord's Supper, not fully comprehending what was happening. Yeah. Um, so there, there is grace there, 
but but that's that's one of many arguments why it needs to be inside the church because what needs to happen as far as the the public worship of god uh and the westminster divines right i mean th- those guys are way smarter than me way smarter than a lot of people i know too um you know they they, they poured over this for days upon days when they wrote the section of the westminster confession of faith as well as the directory of public worship in 1645 about what the lord's supper should include um it's extremely important that we that that that, that have oversight, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, I, I I don't I don't see how you can truly exercise that oversight on a computer screen. I mean, you can to a degree. You can explain what the Lord's Supper is. You can explain. You can go through. You can read Matthew twenty-six. You can read First Corinthians eleven or ten and eleven and twelve, and uh, you can, you can. But but tr- again, that's that's why I say it's one of the reasons because we're going to get into more when we talk about First Corinthians eleven. But um, you know, it, it it should be done when you gather together. I mean, mm-hmm. to quote Doctor Bice from his article, you it's common sense tells you that you can't have a meal through a right. computer screen i mean i could have food in front of me and so could you but it, there's no intimacy there correct i can't yeah 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 so all right sorry another rabbit trail keep going well, well i mean in talking about the the purpose because it in the lord's supper we have full representation of the gospel and it's not just a that we take it to remember something that's in the past that's very true wow can you say that again, man? It's not that's, something that's crucial. Yeah, it's not something that we take just to remember something or remember an event that took place in the past. Absolutely not. Yeah, this is something that while it was an event that did take place, it is something that is very active now. And it is something we also have hope for in the future. And right. because so Christ came and he lived in our place because he lived in a way that we cannot live. Right. When he died, he died in our place because that was the death that we deserved to die. That's right. So he lived for you, he died for you. His resurrection was to solidify the atonement of sins because you cannot atone for sin, nor can you raise yourself from the dead. Well, and and he is currently seated at the right hand of God, interceding for the saints. The purpose of his ascension, which is what we celebrate on Easter, we celebrate the resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of the Father, where he is currently now interceding for us on our behalf. Right. And he will return for his bride. And we are to do this often— keeping in mind uh, when when paul uses the or, or jesus uses this phrase remember do this in remembrance of me and then paul quotes it again it's not the remembering what happened it's the allowing it to come to the forefront of your mind and live in the present reality of what took place that's right that's right no it's one of the uh, again to quote uh um to quote William Perkins, he said that, you know, uh, to be qualified to receive the supper, one must have knowledge of God, the fall of man, and the promise 
of salvation by Christ, plus faith in Christ and repentance from sin, with faith and repentance being renewed daily. Mm -hmm. If a person with these qualifications hesitates at the table because he feels he has a corrupt and rebellious heart, Perkins said, thou art well disposed to the Lord's table when thou art lively touched with the sense of thy crooked disposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the communion should bring you to a sense of questioning whether or not you are worthy to partake of the Lord's Supper. Right, right. Because if you are unfit to take the Lord's Supper, then you are unfit to stand before the Lord. Well, Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, quote, "'Tis, tis the most solemn confirmation that can be conceived of. It is more solemn than a mere oath. And then he said, those who contemptuously treat those symbols of the body of Christ slain and his blood shed, why they make themselves guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, that is of murdering him. Close quote. Um, you know, and then Edwards goes on to say later, he said, Christ is the greatest friend of his church. And that which is commemorated in the Lord's Supper is the greatest manifestation of his love, the greatest act of kindness that that ever was in any instance, infinitely exceeding all acts of kindness done by man to one another. It was the greatest display of divine goodness and grace that ever was. It is to be taken seriously. We're to remember that, to have our faith uh, and repentance renewed daily. Um, it is, it, we have to carefully self-examine and it has to be Christ-centered participation, nothing less. Mm -hmm. Now let's get into the text. Um, and I really want to, I want to break it down, uh, verses 23 through 26 and, uh, hammer that out and then move to 27 through, uh, I guess the end of the chapter. Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay. Uh, so if you have your Bibles um, in front of you or your phones, if you're driving, just listen. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to begin in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. This is Paul speaking. That the Lord Jesus Christ in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we just discussed remembrance. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now we just uh, we just really exposited that before we actually even got into the text. Yeah. <laughs> now that I'm reading it, and I'm like, hmm, we just actually took care of that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and and this this mirrors, of course, in Matthew 26 and stuff like that. But the uh, a couple of things that that I that that have jumped on. On the off of the pages of scripture to me, um, 
was uh, specifically, um, you know, the, the the remembrance part, you know, and 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 if you guys, um, if you guys joined in or watched the live video uh, that that I did going through Psalm seventy seven, we're gonna we're gonna complete that this week. But the second part of that talks about remembering the deeds of the Lord, meditating on on His works, meditating on on His deeds, um, and and this is extremely important when it comes to the Lord's Supper. Um, you know, the, the, the John Owen, um, talked about the, the meditation, like we should not, the way that we should prepare for the Lord's supper is by, with large and, and qualitatively rich periods of, of time engaged in, in meditation and focus. Um, and, and so that we, um, are able to, and should, uh, with all of our hearts, remember all of our hearts being the inner man, the soul, um, uh, what helps us make uh, our determinations and actions. Um, you know, we should, when it says do this in remembrance of me, my mind is, 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 is sent there is we remember, we meditate, we ponder. It is, it should be all consuming uh, and not just, not just for, from an, a doctrinal accuracy standpoint, but but true heartfelt engagement. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, Puritan by the name of Willison said um, that when we come to the table, uh, he offered this particular meditation. He said, quote, uh, Oh, now let the sight of a bleeding Savior make me a weeping sinner. Had I been upon Mount Calvary, could I have stood by with dry eyes or an unconcerned heart, especially when, uh, especially when I considered that he suffered all this in my room and for my sins? Close quote. I, I mean, do we experience that sorrow knowing that our sins put him to death, but then the joy that that brings us because of the hope that that brings us? Is there a, is there a tension there? Do those, do those emotions conflict? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But are we doing it in remembrance of him? Um, you know, I, and, and that brings us to something you and I were talking about yesterday. For those churches and, and, and places that want to do a, a, a drive in communion, like you said, or the, um, you know, a, a virtual communion, like Dr. Bice was talking about, why? What is the point? What is the purpose? Is it because it's what you've done? It because of what you do? Or is, is the focal point of the Lord's Supper the person and work of Jesus Christ to That's where right. you are wanting your people? To remember, to remember, meditate, ponder um, with, with, with heartfelt emotions and, and all-consuming thoughts on what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Yeah, or is it just because you, you just, you just want to do it and you think it's going to bring people together? That's not the point of the Lord's Supper. Right. Yeah, taking something that Christ bought with his blood and adding your own way to it is profaning that which Christ has done uh, and the means by which he gave us to, to be in remembrance of that. And that may not be your motivation. Sure. Yeah. 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 The motivation no. could be, we, yeah, look, we don't want to say Uzzah, that. that Uzzah, is when Uzzah reached out for the ark, he was, 
It was it was because he of the loved zeal. God. He loved God. Absolutely. Yeah, he loved God. He loved God's law. He knew That's the right. ark wasn't to hit the ground. That's right. He also absolutely. thought his hands were cleaner than the dirt. To quote R.C. Sproul. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uzzah had perfect. He had the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. Right. He had the best of intentions, mm-hmm. but that still doesn't mean that it's right. Right. And, and, and that that's that's the whole thing with the, the, the prasmatic, the pragmatic point of view, um, you know, to, to quote Dr. Bauckham in that sermon, quote, pragmatism, a simple definition is the simplest at its simplest. Pragmatism is this. Something is true only insofar as it works. Mm-hmm. It's right because it works. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to a pragmatist about the methodologies like this and when you say to the pragmatists, hey, hold on. Let's open up our Bibles and try to determine whether or not it fits within the context and the confine of what God says about whatever it is. The response is usually, and we have gotten this, <laughs> why are you trying to put God in a box? We're reaching people. Are you actually arguing against our methodologies, uh, methodologies that are reaching people? <laughs> Question mark, close quote. That's a quote. Mm-hmm. So, again, the, the, the intentions can be the best. But then getting, okay, continuing with the exposition, when you look at the words come together, mm-hmm. and this is what you and I were looking at the other day. Yeah, and you see the, and you you can really, if you go back up to verse 18 and then read all the way through the end of the chapter, you see it, what, five times? The, in those yeah, and in, and, and, and in the New Testament, okay, let me, let me just look at this. It's third, yes, in the New Testament, 30 plus times in the New American Standard, do you see... Do you see the same word for come together? Okay. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but I'm going to try it. Okay. It's, it's a verb. Okay. Uh, sooner koamai. Okay. And it, it literally means a physical cohabitation, a coming together, assembling in a conjugal way. If you're catching my drift. Like it's, 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 it's that sort of intimacy that, that, that coming together that Paul's talking about here. And you see it, uh, you see it translated in um, Matthew one, when they, before they came together, Mark three, the crowd gathered uh, Mark 14, when this um, talking about the scribes and the elders gathering together, uh, coming together, come together, accompanied, um, you know, acts one, therefore it's necessary that that of the men who have accompanied us, um, I mean, Acts 2, Acts 5, I could keep going all the way through, you know, Corinthians. When, when Paul is talking, the whole point of the letter, first, the first letter of Corinthians that we have is, is the dealing with the apostasy and the things that were happening inside the assembling, the mm-hmm. coming together of the Corinthian church. It's a rebuke. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's 30 plus times in the New Testament saying come together is a physical gathering. Mm-hmm. It's a physical gathering. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, you went, remembrance jumped off the page for you. Um, I want to take it to, to verse 23. Because what Paul is, is relaying here, he's saying, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. This is a command. It's a command Paul is delivering from the Lord. And when the Lord gives commands, we are not to change them. That's right. Because who are we? 
who are we to, to change? Thus says the Lord. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's true. It's, uh, man, it's, you know, and some, some may be listening to this and be like, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say not to do that. Like, I mean, we are gathering. It's just online. We're just gathering, you know, on Zoom, like you and I are doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, would be, what would be the big deal if you and I said, uh, you know, if Josh were here and, mm-hmm. um, and, and we wanted to have, you know, well, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And, and what if we prayed and had uh, each of us had bread or crackers or wine or grape juice or whatever the case may be, a bang energy drink like I've got over there? I mean, what's to say that we couldn't take communion because we have get, we're gathering together. Yeah. That's where we have to actually start defining terms. So we have to define the term gather or gathering together, meet together. What does it mean to say we are gathering together? Because some will say that, yes, we are, when we're doing it this way, we're doing it virtually, whatnot. We are actually gathering together the problem is you're not going to be consistent with that consistency is a necessity all right inconsistency is a sign of a failed argument to quote dr james white okay so what's you cannot if you if you say we can do it this way and we don't see a problem with it because we are actually in a sense gathering well now you throw out any argument you have against, say, the online church. You kick that door wide open because you're using the same definition and logic that they use to justify their position. Now, if you want to say, uh, you know, we understand that we are not actually gathering, this is not a gathering, but we're trying to make the best of this situation and we, we want to, uh, you know, partake with you the best we absolutely can, but this is by no means what the Bible means when it says we are gathering. I mean, I'll have a little more uh, sympathy and grace and respect in that way uh, for you, but to say, no, we, this is, we are actually gathering, you have no argument against the the online church or the virtual church anymore because you cannot claim to be claim one thing and then claim another when it suits uh your need you you cannot be inconsistent in that way and be arbitrary and this then lies the danger of the normative principle of worship Mm -hmm. because what just like if you're not going to be consistent in that that that's the problem where's your starting point Right. By what standard? Right. Where's the starting point? If you're going to make exceptions here, what else would you make exceptions for? Mm-hmm. And, this and it is all, kinda... it's got to start somewhere. It, it, yeah. it, all this starts somewhere. Right. But even to say so, we'll, we'll say uh, because I know Dr. Bice spoke about virtual um, communions, and there there have been other pastors who have talked about drive-in communions, right? Um, you and I were talking, we would say, if you do a drive-in communion, you're trying to be a little more biblical. Because you're still you're actually, gathering. You're, you're physically there with there. one another, and yeah. instead of shoulder to shoulder, you're car to car, mm-hmm. which 
hey, I, I mean, you're still there. You're still gathering together. And I mean, at, at that it's point, it's unconventional, but you, sure. you're still. But if you're if you're going to do it, if you have to do it, then do it that way. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to gather in homes and have a pastor or elder in each home mm -hmm. and 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 to to administer the ordinance, mm -hmm. the, the ordinances of, of the supper, which is important. That's a mm -hmm. part of that mm -hmm. to administer them so that the believers there take partake of them, physically take hold of them, then... Which then, makes a great argument for a plurality of elders. Hey, -oh. <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, I mean, if you're not going to do that, at least, at least you're there. You can see, you know, uh, if you have a group of elders that can go around to each car and again, administer the the ordinances to make sure there aren't young children there right. to right. you know to 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 do some examining uh as far as as far as where where people are i mean scripture's clear about who should take the who can and who cannot take the lord's supper and uh you know uh, dr van dixhorn in his book confessing the faith had a section in there called uh uh eating and drinking damnation um, and specifically dealing with uh, the unbeliever uh, partaking of the Lord, the Lord's Supper. So at least in that model, if you're going to do it you, again, church governance, you, you have church governance in control. Exactly. Because, hey, as church governors, as pastors and elders, guess what you're held responsible for? And that's the people scary. under your care. Yeah, that's scary. Shepherd the flock of God mm -hmm. among you. This is part of that. And well, I'm glad you said that. So let's let's actually move into this other part of because it talks about examining, self-examining. Right. And and we want we do want to talk about self-examining both individually uh, at, as right. members of the congregation, but also as leaders in a church and corporately. Um, so let's move into to verse 27, unless, you, unless you've got anything else to add on the previous. Nah, brother, keep going. Okay. I've, I've run us down a couple of rabbit trails, so you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I always got to bring us back. Um, okay, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks and eats and uh, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. That's a metaphor for death. Yep. Many have died. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, or some, may, some translations may say chastened. We, uh, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not become condemned along with the world. If you are in Christ, you will not be condemned with the world. So then... Verse 30, 33, so then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Oh, I love that word. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. 
Now, this this last part does does allude to uh, some verses before, right? Uh, where we started, and this this has to do with uh, the love feast, where people would gather together uh, in homes. They would have a feast. They would eat with one another. It would be like a big potluck, pretty much. People would everyone would bring food. And then everyone would partake, and then there would be some kind of a lecture, uh, teaching afterwards, and then after that would be communion. Um, uh, but you know, he says here, you know, w- the waiting for one another. So this is to be done when we come together. But he's ref- but he's also referring to the eating portion, eating dinner, when we, you know, when you gather together. If you're hungry, just eat at home. Right. And then when you come together, come together to worship God, because what was going on was people were the rich people were coming to get there early to eat all the food and the poor were going exactly. away hungry. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's that they were hurrying to serve themselves so that they would have enough to eat. And I love what Stephen Charnock says about this. He said, Check this out. Uh, he said. Uh, uh, when it comes to this section of scripture, he said, now in eating like this. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Quote, now in the eating of this, the rich brought their dainties and ate to gluttony and excess before the poor were met together and left the scraps for the meaner sort and thereby did shame them, which is not what they were supposed to be doing. That's right. At That's all. not how you act in the body of Christ. Right. Correct. Because there are, let me tell you, there are two places where the ground is equal. One is at the cross. The other is at the Lord's table. Amen. Ooh, say that again, man. There good. are two places where the ground is equal, or we'll say where the ground is level, and that is at the cross, the foot of the cross, and at the Lord's table. Man, that's good. That's good. That so now, good. So now going back to examining ourselves, right? Taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. This is, it's dangerous to take the Lord's Extremely. Supper. Extremely in an unworthy manner. We must examine our hearts. We must examine our lives to see what are we, are we truly in Christ and does do, do our lives, do we live out that we are truly in Christ? Right? Because we, if we're going to claim one, but not, not live out the result of that, then we are going to reap judgment upon us by taking the Lord's Supper in an unholy manner. That's right. That's right. I mean, if uh, I can't remember where I saw this quote now, but it said something about if we, you know, if, we, if we're coming to the table, coming to Christ's table, but but we have devils in our, we live like devils in the closet. Um, and I mean, we're, we're profaning, we're taking in vain That's the right. very name of God. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, we're claiming to be in Christ. Correct. Then we recline at his table eat his eat the supper that he has prepared for us given to us but then our lives don't measure up we don't, we're not living in a way worthy of the gospel we are taking the lord's name in vain that's right and we're ultimately showing that we're we're a servant of two masters uh, mm-hmm. you know paul said in second corinthians 6 uh, and speaking about the partnership, um, uh, th- th- this also represents not just with Christ, but with the church, with each other. Um, you know, Paul says, quote, you know, uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, he said, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Christ with Belial? 
God with idolatry? Question mark, close quote. Uh, and then to quote Dr. Van Dixhorn from Confessing the Faith, he says this, quote, but why does coming to the table unworthily involve eating and drinking damnation? Why is it a great sin? What is so dangerous about the pretended communion with Christ and his church? The answer is found in the great privilege of partaking of a meal, which is so, which so perfectly pictures our participation in Christ. It is intended to nourish Christian faith, to come to the table without that Holy Spirit worked faith in the Savior is to try to seize a gift which can only be given. Mm. Coming to the table then becomes the personal symbol of a man or a woman's presumption. The supper becomes an emblem of the arrogance of someone who fancies he or she can fellowship with the Father without coming through his son. Period. Close quote. Wow. That is weighty. That is That's heavy. very weighty. And very, very weighty. And I go back to you know what, what I said earlier about the examination that 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 we should have. That that uh, Jonathan Edwards said it's 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 more than a solemn oath. We have to take it seriously. And then uh, Willison asking that question. I mean, were we uh, would we we would be a weeping sinner at the side of a bleeding savior? Um, you know, our, man, is is that our goal? Um, is that is is Christ the goal? Is, is it truly uh, something that that we are we're truly thinking about every aspect? And this is a question I wrote down in my notes, man. And I and I know you're going to have an answer to this, and I love it. But I, but I asked the question when preparing for this. Um, you know, why is it? Why? How many people know this stuff concerning the sacraments? Question mark. And why don't they know it? Yeah, they don't know it because it's not taught from the pulpit. The what is taught from the pulpit today is very much um, you you can do it, you can do better, just do better, whatever it is. If you fail, pick yourself up, right? Um, it, it, it's all centers about centers are. It's basically law again. It's you do this, right? It there is no understanding of who Christ is and the work that he's done and our nature and the fact that we cannot come to God on our own accord. We must come through Christ. But in that Amen. is realizing and understanding what Christ has done. And that is not taught from the pulpits. That's, that's, and so when people come to the Lord's Supper, that's why I said, you know, it's not just remembering an event that took place. And most people come to the Lord's Supper remembering what Jesus did, not what he is doing and not what he will do in the future. And they don't understand the actual representation of the bread. They don't understand the representation of the cleansing blood that is needed continuously to be poured out over us and to be consumed by us. Right. It is not taught from the pulpits. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I, I will, I will amen and write on that one um, and wholeheartedly agree. And then at the same time, uh, I will also raise you, <laughs> uh, raise you this, um, Hebrews chapter 5. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. 
For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from the dead works, from dead works and of faith towards God, of instruction about the washing and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. I, I mean, I, I would say this too. It, we have a responsibility as believers to study the word. Mm-hmm. We have the responsibility as believers to know what's required of us. Uh, you know, right now we're facing this right incredible pandemic and this incredible time in our world and our country. And, and thankfully, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, whether or not you agree with the, the stimulus bill that just this passed, I'm not wanting to talk about politics, but if I guarantee you for all of us, and this is a good heart check for all of us, you know, when getting that stimulus check, uh, that's coming to help much needed help in this time. If we get a list of things that are required of us, what are we going to do? We're going to, we're going to go look for that list and we're going to do what's on that list. Our problem, mine included, you know, I, I've been a believer. I've been a believer for almost, almost 20 years. And there are things j- that brother in the last less than 24 hours, we decided we were going to do something else. We were going to record on, on time and not wasting time. And we were going to talk about the whole Rodney Howard Brown being arrested thing. And, and we got to talking yesterday afternoon and said, hey, we, let, let, let's address this. So in less than 24 hours, I got out three books and read a ton on the Lord's Supper, dove into 1 Corinthians chapters 10 and 11, uh, read some of a lot of the church fathers, the Puritans, Stephen Charnock, and 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 and, and current writers. So listen to Dr. John MacArthur talk about the seven things about the Lord's table. And there were things in there that even as a believer for 20 years, I was like, man, I've never realized that before. I've never stopped, stopped and thought about that before. So part of that is maturity mm-hmm. yeah. and our and our own search. So um, you so, know, yeah. <laughs> I know where you were wanting me to go. I actually were, wasn't wanting you to go anywhere, but what do you think? <laughs> it was because when you, when you started talking about, uh, that verse in Hebrews, our churches, especially here in America have ceased to be institutions where we equip the saints and they have become youth group for adults. Youth group for adults that seek to entertain the goats mm-hmm. and entertain themselves. Mm-hmm. That's right. So people who have come up in youth groups, playing games, having fun, having a superficial message, they, they have now graduated into grown-up church, big church, and it's led by the same type of youth pastor that played games and gave a superficial message and did not equip the saints for battle. Yeah. Yeah. And this lead, this actually is a great lead into why church leaders also 
need to examine themselves, not just individualistically in their own walk, but as church leaders. Because as church leaders, there is a flock that has been entrusted to you. And your job is to lead them, to guide them, to shepherd them, to grow them in holiness, in seeking after Christ, to be more like Christ. And if you're not doing these things, you can lead someone into taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. That's right. That's right. And then, and then not only is, is the, the, the judgment on that person, but it's also on that leader. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. James, James talks about, you know, talks about that. And, and of course we see those commands in in the pastoral epistles. So, um, Man, just kind of just some some additional thoughts, and I don't know if they're wrapping up thoughts. It just depends on where you want to go after this. But, I mean, um, Josh isn't here. We can go as long as we want. Uh, that's true. My show, I do whatever I want. <laughs> He's humble too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, uh, moving into something I said before and talking about the last kind of point we had on the outline was was the 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 pragmatism piece, and I already read that quote from Dr. Bauckham, uh concerning pragmatism and. Uh, I want to I want to read uh, another quote from him, and then and then uh, from the Sovereign Grace uh, website from today that I is saw. It, is, is this before you before you read it? Is this about David's pragmatism? No. Okay. Before you read it, and talking about church leaders, I, I want to reference what what Vody said in that message. Yep. Because while Uzza was responsible for reaching out and grabbing the ark, doing something he wasn't supposed to do in the zeal and love that he had for the Lord. Ultimately, it was David's pragmatism that killed Uzzah. Absolutely. So that is a responsibility of the church leaders to make sure that they are doing things according to God's word in the way that God says to do it. That's right. That's right. Uh, and you see that and you see that in, um, was it First Chronicles six? Nope, Second Chronicles. I don't remember. It's Second Chronicles, but no, you see that. I mean, the, the ark was never to be on the cart in the first place. That's right. That's and right. David put it on the cart because he saw um, the Philistines moving it on the. On correct, the correct, correct. So, so you're absolutely right. It was, uh, it, you know, it that that was that was that was on David. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, David's pragmatism. The leaders. The leader's pragmatism uh, is ultimately what set that it it set all of that in motion. When when David did that, yes, Uzzah was ultimately responsible. He should have not reached out for the ark, and and the Lord would not have killed him. Um, but ultimately, it was the fact that David put the ark on a cart uh, instead of carrying it in the prescribed way laid out in the commands of the Lord. And so going, going back to what you were saying, as far as corporate self-examination, you know, you as leaders and, and, and I, I mean, everybody that I know right now, personally, as far as church leaders, I, I know they take that seriously. Again, that goes back oh, to what yeah. I was saying about yeah. intentions, right. your intentions can be the best, you know, but, but that, that's the issue with the normative principle of worship. Um, uh, you know, Sam, Sam Walden, uh, Dr. Bauckham talked about this in his message. He said, Sam Walden has this, has it illustrated this way, quote, it's as though Mr. Angleton, Mr. Angleton and Mr. Puritan were going to build a building for God. And Mr. Puritan says, God has given us 
very specific blueprints. And we're going to build the building exactly as God's blueprints outlines it. And the Anglican says, we're going to use that blueprint, but we're going to put our own spin on it. The two will not build the same building, but that's not the worst thing. The worst thing is that those buildings, uh, that one of those buildings is not going to please God. Our worship must be offered in accordance with God's dictates. Our worship is and must be word-oriented. It has to be word-oriented. It must have happened in accordance with his dictates. How do we know those dictates? We know those dictates from his sufficient word. So the, the, the quote that I wanted to read from Sovereign Grace says this, it's easy to understand the desire to bring the Lord's Supper into the season of separation. Just as long as, just as we long to be together in our churches, we long to share the Lord's Supper with all the blessings it bestows. Although God, in his wisdom, has separated us from his table for now, we can be assured that he has not separated us from his love, Romans 8, 38 and 39 nor from the grace that we desperately need to be faithful in this moment, 2 Corinthians 9. In the meantime, let's view this season of waiting mm. as a unique opportunity to stir our longings and awaken our appetites for the moment when we will again feast together at the Lord's table. Mm -hmm. Look, and I said this to you yesterday, contrary to what others initially said when Rodney Howard Brown, a known heretic and blasphemer of the word of God, uh, and in my opinion, not believer, uh, was arrested. He was given multiple warnings. That, that what's, one of the things that you heard and saw on social media was, was, was solid pastors, solid leaders saying, but why was he arrested? What law did he break? Well, look, um, he did break the law. And if we're going to break the law, we have to be willing to accept the consequences, number one, and we're not, we're not talking about that right now. But we are being asked and mandated by our government to restrain from meeting together in groups of 10 or more. Uh, that's not just churches. That's restaurants. That's businesses. Um, you know, uh, th th that, that's, that's across the board. We are, at least yet, not being told, and I totally am butchering this from a gr grammatical point of view, so if Tracy listens to this, I'm sorry. Um, we have not yet been asked from a substance point of view and to stop sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have not been told that it is illegal to own a Bible. We have not been told that we cannot profess faith in Jesus Christ. We have been told not to gather, to Fourth. look out for a time, correct, for a temporary season, uh, not to gather for the protection of, uh, for the protection of, um, of, of our communities. And to, and to, you're hearing this, this phrase, flatten the curve, right? The spread of this virus, um, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's what we've been asked to do as believers. This is still a Romans 13 situation where we are to comply for whatever reason, just like the, that article in Sovereign Grace says, we have, been, we have been providentially asked and providentially by the Lord, he's allowed this to take place, to not gather physically right now as the church. We are not being told to stop spreading the gospel. So 
how should we approach this when it comes to the Lord's Supper? Just wait. Mm-hmm. There, there wait. is nothing wrong with waiting. View this as a mercy of God. Study your Bibles. Redeem the time that you can never get back. The Lord has given you this time. If you've lost your job, I'm sorry. If you've lost loved ones, I am so sorry. I will pray for you. And if there's any way that we can help you, we absolutely will. But use this time to get face-to-face with God in his word. And just churches, pastors, elders, quit trying to create something. Just wait. Because then when we come back together, and, and to your point yesterday, I'll, I'll let you expound on it. When Jesus carries us through this season and we're able to gather together, how much sweeter will that time be? when we come to the table of the Lord then. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we see in the Lord's Supper is the accomplishment of Christ. Uh, The accomplishment over death, sin, the grave, um, the the trials that we know we're going to face. We don't have any fear because we are in Christ. And so, in this this trial time uh, of of COVID nineteen, right sickness, um, people losing jobs, uh, people losing incomes. When we if if we will just wait, wait on the Lord's supper for when we gather together, how much richer and how much glorious. Will it be when we partake of that supper and look at how he carried us through this time to gather back together to to in, engage and consume his word as the body together? Amen, man. Amen, brother. So now we, we've said a lot of things we've we. I mean, firm in a lot of places, but we still, again, we want you to hear our hearts. Uh, if you listen to us, you know we're regulative principle people. Absolutely. Right? We, we are not fans of normative principle whatsoever. We're not fans of pragmatism. However, this is a unique time. So we understand churches having to do live stream uh, services. Um, sure, and- sure. And we, we are going to, I mean, I mean, I say we're going to, as if we're some kind of authority, we're no authority, but we do understand the need for grace as well in this time for, for pastors who do understand that, that live stream services are not real services. They're not really gathering together. Those who, who want to implement the Lord's supper, we disagree with it but we sympathize with you in your, your longing to do something. But as long as you know that this is not gathering together. Um, and I think, I think many pastors would, would agree with that, that they know this is not gathering together as the Bible says we should, when we partake of the Lord's supper, I do wish they would communicate that to their people. Um, but we do extend grace oh gosh, and we yeah. sympathize with you because we too long to be gathered together with Christ's body sure. uh, partaking in the Lord's Supper. 
Yeah, yeah, and no, no look, yeah, please hear our hearts. That, that we're we're not saying that you are. You we're know, not her- saying you're in sin. And, and yeah, you're yeah, we're not calling you a false teacher. We're not saying you have. You know, again, we said it multiple times. We're not saying your motives aren't pure. We're just saying just step back, yeah. step back, and wait. Consult the word. Pour and, over yeah, the word. The reason just... we went over all this was so you can consider what the Bible has to say in the way that God says this is to be done, yep. and that is something that should weigh upon you. It's not something to be taken lightly whatsoever. Right. right. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, uh, what, what an incredible time, right? We're mm-hmm. that we're in. So, um, may you, may you find your rest and solace in him. And, uh, as, as we've said multiple times, if we can pray for you in any way, shape or form, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out and, uh, um, we are thankful for everybody that listens and chooses to take time and listen. And this is a longer one. So you're welcome. Maybe split up and do a couple you know, of different. You know what? Despite what Josh says, I think people like the longer episodes. I don't mind them, but I also <laughs> love like just thinking and they do like almost two hour podcasts. So <laughs> I know dude, I got one of the, I, I got into podcasts through Apologia radio um, and then it was through, through Jeff and Apologia that I found out about Dr. White and almost every dividing line is like an hour and a half to three hours. Okay. So if you, if you want to know why our shows get so long, I mean, that's who we learn from. Yep. So you're welcome. But people that listen to us are people that listen to those guys anyway. So they, they get it. They understand. They want more. You hear that, Josh? They want more. I'm just kidding. We love you, Josh. And I, I love the fact that you want to keep us on time. On that note, <laughs> we're out of here. See ya. <laughs>